I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Chris Moore. And we started the homos on Haunted Hill so that we can throw a party. A horror film party. <laughs> It'll be quite amusing. There'll be madmen and chainsaws and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Okay, hello. Hello. Yeah, welcome everyone to week two of Body Snatchers Month. We got to snatch your body. (laughs) We got a big one today. Mm -hmm. This is actually actually probably the most popular film we've covered on the pod, so that's exciting. I hope so. I hope Um, Although it's still not like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street level, no, you know, it's, no. it's, but it's fairly well known. Uh, but oh, first, yeah. you know, we are happy to welcome our first guest to the pod, Mr. Travis Neese. Welcome, Ooh. Travis. Ooh, yay. Travis is a Chicago-based teacher, actor, and director, jack of all trades with an appreciation for spooky things and the like. Um, I've known Travis for, oh my gosh, it's like 10 years now, which is insane. To think about it's really weird Uh, to say it out loud. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Because, yeah, we met in college in part through Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so that's exciting. Um, And so look at that. Buffy's bringing people together. We also saw Scream 4 in theaters together and, I don't know, binged a bunch of 90s teen horror movies. So that was. We were kind of brought together through this love of this period, so I knew he would be a great guest to have on here for this particular film. So thanks for coming on, Travis. Love it. Of course. Yay. And, uh, Chris, what is the film we're talking about today? The Faculty. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I often hear people debate, like, whether The Faculty is horror or sci-fi, and I'm like, it's both, obviously. Like, yeah. why is this even, like, a discussion? I don't know, but... You shouldn't have to, like, divide between the two. It totally yeah. gets both. No. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. In the words of Stephen Sondheim, why not both instead? Oh. There's the answer <laughs> if you're clever. <laughs> exactly. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it came out in 1998, which, as we were talking about last week, was 22 years ago, which is also insane to think oh, about. God. Um, <laughs> oh, my weary bones. I know, I know. Oh, my gosh. And uh, 1998 was, like, the peak year for these Scream copycat movies, because I, I was looking at, like, all the movies that were released, and it was, like, one every month, almost, because you had yeah, Disturbing course. Behavior disturbing behavior in July, um, and then in August, Halloween H2O, mm-hmm. and then in September... Urban Legend, and then in October, Bride of Chucky, which I consider part of this kind of yes. phase, and then November, I still know what you did last summer, and then finally, The Faculty in December. So this was like the peak of all of this. Oh, but do not forget the remake of Psycho, also in December. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. okay if you forgot, because most people did. Most people do, yeah. Blessedly. Uh, <laughs> starring um, Vince Vaughn, right? Yes, and and of course, Anne Celestia Hache. Right, right. I love her. I love her. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Um, yeah, all three of us, I know, were fairly young when this came out. Um, mm-hmm. Do you both remember the first time you saw this movie? Travis, do you remember? I, For me, I think it was, like, probably mm, a year or two after it came out, which, like, I was far too young to have watched it at that point. But having right. an older yeah, yeah. brother who was into this yeah. sort of thing, too led me to watch a lot of things that I shouldn't have been watching at that age. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a yeah. brother there. Brother there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you're a bit younger than Chris and I, uh, so you probably would have been like, what, like seven or something, like fairly young when this first came out, right? Yeah, I I was uh, six or seven when it first came out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that's a bit young for this kind of style, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, though. Uh, Chris, do you remember when you first saw it? 
I didn't get to see it in theaters. I, I saw it uh, probably like a month or two after it was on VHS. Uh, so I guess I, that might have been like maybe spring of 99, maybe. Yeah, I think uh, I didn't see it in theaters either. I think I saw it on like the Sci-Fi Channel or something like um, mm. within probably within a year or two after it came out and was pretty much just kind of obsessed from the get-go. It was great. It wasn't until years later that I realized like, oh, this is just like a straight out copy of Scream. But like, that's okay because, you know, I love Scream and I think it's a similar deal with like Urban Legend, Halloween, H2O, etc. So uh, it was just kind of this vibe from this era. So it's great. Um, I think next to Scream and Scream 2, like this is probably my favorite film from this era anyway um, i probably agree yeah, it, yeah it's just got it's it's just enough of the kind of tongue-in-cheek style but it's not too much to the point where it's just like okay this is kind of getting a little too cutesy it it because mm-hmm. there's actually still a genuine threat um whereas like one once you got to like scream three it kind of started to get a little bit more sort of goofy and Right. You were kind of like, I don't really think anyone important's going to die, so I'm kind of checked out, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you're not really yeah, yeah. on the edge as as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it, it, it does such a great job of, like, towing that balance of, like, the needed levity and, like, the elements of camp that, like, yeah. Scream has, but, like, still having that sense of threat and, like, the use of like some like good like body horror in the film yeah to still keep that atmosphere without diving too far into like camp and ridiculousness for sure yeah it's it's definitely one of the scarier like actually scary films of this like period because most of them are not super scary yeah so it's um there are moments in this that definitely give me every time and uh uh yeah the only other one that might go above this for me is the craft but like the, the the thing with the craft is that it came out months before scream yeah, so it's like you, yeah. you can't like technically i mean you could put it with this era but like a lot of people do but like yeah. despite the fact that it stars nev campbell and skeet Ulrich, it's like it's not technically part of this era if, you, if you're if you're only talking yeah. about the copycats here anyway like, exactly yeah. so, so that's interesting yeah it's uh written by our favorite horror gay kevin williamson and or at least in part we'll talk about that but uh it i, I like that it tries to do some different things story-wise by adding this kind of like body snatchers puppet masters thing with the kind of meta angle um which was just kind of different for that time period and it's just like fucking fun you know it's it's a great popcorn movie um which is great uh i thought it would also be good to like provide a little bit of context here for this era we did this last week um but just to kind of give listeners uh i know most people are probably familiar with this era but who knows maybe we have some gen zers who are listening or something so oh i would uh, love that <laughs> and again, yeah and again it was like so like 20 some years ago at this point which is insane but whatever uh uh so um yeah so the faculty is part of this 90s teen horror cycle that ran from 1996 to like 2001 ish uh craven and kevin williamson scream was probably the most influential formative film from the cycle and a lot of films that came after it were essentially kind of miming Scream style to a large degree. Uh, the films from this era were often described, Chris, as you like to say, hip and sexy. <laughs> and nonstop scary. Oh. And nonstop scary. <laughs> Usually starring like these well-known young adult actors who had gained traction on like the WB and the UPN, etc. Uh, some other defining characteristics, you had this like a lot of meta self-referential elements, a lot of like quippy and fast-paced dialogue, and usually there was a whodunit kind of mystery angle, which this one definitely has as well. Uh, fairly high production values, um, some really like over-the-top scores and soundtracks featuring like tunes from the 
that were like popular from this period. And then this like really fast jump cut editing, which was a big thing here as well. Uh, oh, and also the worst posters of all time. They're, <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> all of them. They're terrible. Yes, yes, yes. Very true. Very true. They tell you nothing about the films at, at mm-hmm. all. It's just like, we've got a really sexy cast. Don't you want to see this movie? That's <laughs> yep. really all that they have to say. This is very true. And they all look the same. They, yeah, it's They it's do. Yeah. <laughs> they all look exactly the same. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and uh, the villains are typically, although actually not so much in this case, but usually the villains are more like internal versus external, like the killer is one of us, which this still has, but it's also through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a contrast to the 80s kind of iconic monster-esque killers with like Freddy and Jason and Chucky, because uh, those were more like external threats, whereas he, with these films, it's like, oh, the killer is among us, and what are we going to do? So that's kind of fun, which again is a throwback to... Agatha Christie and everything else. So that's fun. Um, we talked a little bit about last week how, like, this was kind of an interesting period in the sense that, like, gay men were kind of at the forefront of this with Kevin Williamson and um, Don Mancini with Child's Play and uh, Silvio Horta, who just passed away, RIP, um, who wrote Urban Legend. Um, Brian Fuller also wrote that 2002 Carrie movie. So that's, that's something, right. I guess, too. Yeah, um, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, and I am. Always surprised that Joss Whedon is straight, but apparently he is straight. Uh, <laughs> um, because there was a lot of like repre- repressed bisexuality in his writing, especially with some of the characters on Buffy. But apparently he's straight. So what are you gonna do? Uh, it it was a pretty gay time period, though overall, and uh, it was also the age of kind of like cynicism and self reference. Um, unlike the eighties, like being sincere was considered super lame in the nineties. Um, like, uh, so like if you wanted to be cool, you had to be like ironic and self-deprecating, which I think as queer people, we tend to excel at anyway. So that's why this (laughs) era. Yeah, exactly. So that's why this era was kind of like, okay, like this is easy for us. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like the nineties were about like looking inward rather than outward, which makes sense because we weren't really at war with anyone at that time, like a big wars anyway, at the time we're always at war with someone because that's the United States. But, um, Mm -hmm. we didn't really have this big external, uh, force that we were fighting against. Uh, and in particular, there was a lot of like distrust and paranoia directed at each other as a result. And especially at like the federal government. And that kind of started with this Waco siege in 1993, where you had this like, uh, religious cult in Waco, Texas. (laughs) This is what I was trying to remember. By the way, Chris, because oh, I wrote down like, okay. why, so why did I write down Waco, Texas? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you had this like religious cult in Waco, Texas, uh, which was led by the Branch Davidians. And uh, there was a lot of questionable shit going on here. So the government comes in and they tries to storm this compound, which becomes this huge clusterfuck that lasts like 51 days. And eventually it just makes the government look completely inept and really corrupt and blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of it, um, this cult essentially just sets themselves on fire and it results in like 76 deaths and it's just people are watching this for like 51 days on television it just leaves a lot of bad taste in people's mouths and uh the whole situation just totally out of control uh so anyway as a result you get like a lot of these like government conspiracy cover-up films and tv shows uh things like the x-files and twin peaks and uh there's some other ones like dark skies and etc and eventually this kind of trickles down into the teen-centered stuff with, like, Animorphs and So Weird on Disney and Roswell on WB and, of course, Disturbing Behavior and The Faculty. Um, and Buffy kind of gets in this a little bit as well with, like, Season 4. Travis, I know you're a Buffy fan, so with, like, The Initiative and everything yeah. as well. So that's a thing. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that was uh, just a little overview of that period there. Um, 
Before we get started in the films, uh, have you guys watched anything recently that you want to give a shout out to that got your interest? Um, oh, um, Chris, it has been kind of a, a pretty good week for that stuff. I I, uh, I rewatched a movie called Case Thirty Nine. Mm-hmm. with uh renee zellweger and uh i i know i saw it in the th- in the theaters but i didn't really remember much about it uh but it's not that bad it's kind of it's 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 a little sort of tv movie-ish at, at times but um it's about a social worker who decides to adopt a kid who was thrown into an oven by her parents because they think that she is some sort of a demon and uh mm. and then she starts to realize that maybe they were right and uh this kid might actually be a demon and it's <laughs> it's pretty fun i kind of enjoyed it and uh i watched um, a made for tv film called praying mantis starring jane mm. seymour as a woman who kills all of her husbands on the night of their wedding and uh, it was it was it was a made for TV movie, so that's pretty much all I can say about that. <laughs> that um, sums it up. Yeah, I uh, I watched one called uh, Gutter Balls. It's like a slasher movie. that was like Canadian. Okay. And uh, it, it has a rape scene that's about fifty thousand years long, and uh, oh my gosh. so that was super fun. And it's just, I didn't really enjoy it. It was sort okay. of, uh, some great effects, but that's really all I can say. It, it was, everybody's just, like, really mean, and, like, everything's like, you're a fucking asshole, you cunt. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> calm down. Like, everyone's just super mean. Um, let me see. I what, watched. What year, what year was oh, that from? I, uh, maybe 2009 or 10, maybe. That sounds about right. That's I our think. favorite period, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone was <laughs> super mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I watched another one called um, Scissors, which stars the wonderful Miss Sharon Stone uh, yeah. be- before Basic Instinct, I think like a year before. And she plays a woman who likes to restore like antique dolls and stuff and it's it's kind of hard to describe this because it just goes in so many crazy directions um Hmm. i recommend it only because it's so bizarre it's like you'll never see half of this movie coming it's so weird what else did i watch uh shadow play starring d wallace i've heard of that one yeah uh, it just came out on blu-ray yeah. And it's uh, it's it's more of a drama that has kind of a sort of a supernatural kind of a flair and it it was watchable. I I okay. didn't love it but it was nice and kind of cozy, you know? Uh uh-huh. and then kind of on a on a sort of a non-horror note, I watched uh, the National Theater production of A Streetcar Named Desire. Right. Uh which was fantastic. I highly recommend that. And uh, I think that's it, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's been raving about that production, so I need to go. That's great. Check it out. Fantastic. Um, uh, I didn't watch a ton that I that feels relevant. Anyway, I watched a ton of like '90s comedies just to turn off my brain for a while. It was one of those weeks, but I watched. um, I rewatched the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. That was fun. Uh, Hadn't done that in about ten years, so that was nice just to revisit that. Um, Yeah. 
my opinion didn't really change too much on any of them except for four, which I was always kind of mad about. And now I'm like, I really like four. It's really fun. Yay. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. It had a lot of good in there. There's some kind of weird stuff where he's like turning them into like uh, the the pizzas, but otherwise it was (laughs) (laughs) good. And also, also like his, his resurrection comes about from like a dog pissing fire Uh, on the ground. But yeah, that's a bit much. Um, it it feels like there's like two movies in there, but I like I like it regardless, so it's good. Yeah. And then um, I've been watching some like early '90s like femme fatale erotic thrillers, so that's fun. Um, stuff like um, the hand that rocks the cradle, which I love. Uh, one of my favorites. It's so good. It's God, it's so bonkers. It's so, so good. good. <laughs> and uh, like Basic Instinct and Poison Ivy yes. and Single White Female, which like all these movies came out in 1992. Which like what the hell was going on in 1992? <laughs> yeah, I I believe they called this. Um yuppies in peril and i love that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it's because mm-hmm. it was just all these sort of like youngish people and it's it's all kind of like be careful who you invite into your home it's all like it's so good i love that time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so fun and, and it, it kind of bugs me because when people, when people talk about um, the early 90s like horror fans in particular like mm-hmm. they always kind of just disregard these thrillers like they're yeah. somehow completely unrelated to horror and I'm like they're basically exactly. universal monster movies with they are. women as yeah. the, the killer so it's like they are. yeah they're so yeah. much fun it's strange it's strange but whatever uh, 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 those are the main things I watched uh, Travis anything uh, well so it's it's funny uh, shout out to my roommate Shelby and Brittany who Kevin you know mm-hmm. um, yeah, we it's, since it's, starting to socially isolate we've created a running list of just films that we've all been watching because we usually finish work at about five and then we'll pop on about two movies um we're currently up to movie 179 (laughs) Um, and like just going all across the gamut we watched all of the star wars all of the harry potter all the lord of the rings hitting like some good 90s some more relevant stuff um but kind of looking at this list the uh the recent stuff that really kind of stuck out that i really enjoyed um we revisited disturbia with shia labeouf Um, i just rewatched that recently too it's so good it's so good it's super fun and it has like a lot of good like jump scare sequences and everything um and it's also fun to kind of be watching from a lens of socially distancing with having the main character being isolated in his home Um, for sure for sure which was kind of a fun connection um but then another one that kind of stood out was um also ironically starring elijah wood um is a recent film called come to daddy which is one of the strangest films that we have ever seen but like in the best way possible Um, i have been meaning to check that out i've heard it's like not as horror like as like it's kind of like a thriller drama thing. i don't know like yeah how you it's it? it's oh god there's just so many levels to it and as it kept going on we were just like is this happening is this the the journey we're about to go on and right and it was and it was super engaging and there there's definitely some elements of horror and thriller and suspense in there um yeah, yeah. but yeah it's it's definitely it, it was a fairly independent low low marketed film i i had not heard of it until we were just like scanning through movies on amazon um but highly suggest it it was super super good cool awesome cool cool cool. yeah well sound great um well should we jump into the faculty here yeah all right chris do you have a synopsis of some kind here Uh, yeah okay so at harrington high 
the teachers are starting to act stranger than usual, and pretty soon the students begin acting the same way. Is there something in the water? Have they all joined Scientology? Or has an alien <laughs> invasion picked the most mundane town in America to begin their takeover of the world? Mm-hmm. So let's tune in and find out, shall we? Find out, yes. <laughs> Today on Homos on Haunted Hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, essentially a combination of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, although really more the Puppet Masters, as they, <laughs> as they say oh, yeah. multiple times in the film, oh, yeah. and, the, and the Breakfast Club uh, with a bit of, like, the, the thing thrown in there, too. Uh, oh, totally, yeah. Especially at the end with that, like, creature thing which looks great and we'll get to that but it i i it's i was surprised at how well that effect kind of holds up today Mm -hmm. but uh it it's uh um it's interesting that it's it's basically a scream style slasher film except the characters generally don't get killed so that's a different kind of spin on things right uh come to think of it really no one dies specifically except i guess bb newworth except which is very sad i love bb newworth (laughs) it's poor bb she she gets put through the ringer in this film you know she gets that that pencil through the hand and then and ah man and uh this is great it's a great yeah little opener i think next to scream and maybe scream 2 like it's one of the you know better opening stalk and kill sequences from this era so that's great it's creepy yeah i would even call it hip and sexy <laughs> but it isn't non-stop scary <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would say yes i would say it is because it it, it has my favorite type of uh i guess it's kind of like a trope where there is someone who's trying to like unlock uh, like so, some kind of a door mm-hmm. and the killer is coming at them and it's like a race against time it's like are they going to unlock the door or are they going to die like every single time i'm on the edge of my seat like Mm -hmm. that that trope will always work yeah yeah it's so scary it's 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 yeah yeah so much of this film works really well uh it has a lot of these trademark things from this era like the hip young cast the quippy dialogue the whodunit mystery uh this like really in your face score by marco beltrami which is uh, i'm not gonna lie this is not one of my favorite scores of his like there's just not really a whole lot memorable but i i I, it was kind of like okay okay, just come in and write something that sounds like scream and he was like okay i'll do that you know but there are moments that i think are effective and uh that really fast jump cut editing as well um Mm -hmm. which uh fun fact for listeners like robert rodriguez was originally one of the directors that they approached for scream which would have been interesting to see what he would have done with it because here it kind of feels like he's just kind of miming Wes craven Mm -hmm. which i think is partly why he rarely talks about this film uh, like even uh, I, I don't know why but like anytime people bring up his filmography it's like uh, this film rarely comes up and i think again he doesn't necessarily see it as something like his style you know it was like hmm. they brought him in to make a film that was essentially like scream so i don't know that's that's interesting yeah i've i've never really heard him talk about this movie that, yeah it's kind of that's and it has a different it's a great one it's really great and he he should be very proud i think yeah, you would think. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what films of his I've seen. You know, I've seen like From Dust Till Dawn and mm-hmm. um, one or two others, and it definitely has a little bit different of a vibe from this. So I think That's there was a lot of like, come in here and make this film, and probably Bob Weinstein uh, saying like, we want you to do exactly this and this and this and this. And probably. I think he did. Put, yeah, he did put his own spin on it, but um, 
And I, I, I was, I've always like secretly been hoping that he would direct Scream Five. It sounds like that's not going to happen. But like, how meta would that be? Because like in be the great. Scream, in the Scream universe, like he is the director of the Stab movies. So it's yeah, like that would be Stab. I love that. Such a fun, so, so meta. Funny. But oh, I love well. that. Oh, um, if only. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, did you guys have any like overall thoughts? We can go into like scene by scene here, but um, before we do that. It's just, it's so good. I don't know what yeah. to say. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I mean, the pacing is great. I mean, it just, and what struck me the most was the way it sort of introduces the characters is so smart because you get, you kind of know exactly who they are right out of the gate, but yeah. you don't get that much info about them, but you just get this kind of archetype. And as the film progresses, they start to put a little bit more meat on their bones and you start to know more about them. But it mm-hmm. it doesn't kind of like force it right out of the gate. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's something that I noted that it's it's such a solid way to introduce your to introduce your ensemble of characters um, mm-hmm. in such an easy way that gives us like a clear insight into like. The, fam- the familiarity of the tropes that they are falling into of like the high school ensemble. Like yeah. we have the nerdy guy, we have the goth chick, we have the head cheerleader and the jock and the drug out and the new girl and all of these really identifiable tropes that we're all familiar with. And it just in like a quick five to seven minute sequence, like without having to spend too much time on a necessary backstory or trying to set the scene. It just really lets it exist, which is I think so brilliantly done. Oh yeah. Yeah. And when they first introduce these characters, they do that very like teen movie thing of like Casey, like the the title screen comes (laughs) up and Stokely. And I love that. It's so great. (laughs) That's very like can't hardly wait and uh, breakfast club. And uh, it's great. Uh, Um, Part of me wishes that they wouldn't have given Mary Beth one just to, like, kind of make that a foreshadowing thing. But then also it probably would have been too obvious. Like, yeah. okay, obviously this is, like... And um, I have to say, I think her intro is probably the best one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's> just... <laughs> I really love what you've done with your nose ring. It really brings out the color in your eyes. <laughs> I, I literally, like, as I was watching it, I... Like I said, I was kind of just like taking general notes, and I wrote, "Mary Beth is just so damn charming." <laughs> she is. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but is this alien invasion thing that bad? I mean, right. it seems kind of nice. Like, no, was... yeah, <laughs> and it, and like when you are infected, apparently, like as opposed to disturbing behavior, like where you have to become this really repressed straight person who can't yeah, have sex. Here, exactly. you get to be the person who you always wanted to be, apparently. Yeah. And it's like, is and this really so like, bad? Like, and you just walk around completely naked and alone. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not really seeing the problem here. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm kind of like, like, team Mary Beth. <laughs> like, aside from the fact that you kind of lose free will, but like, that's kind of overrated anyway, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what, whatever. I mean, <laughs> like, she seems nice. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and there's, uh, there's, there's, there's one, one line where she's uh, talking to Stokely. And um and she's like, "Are you really a lesbian?" And she's like, "No, I, I'm I'm just pr- pretending." And she's like, "No, be one, be a lesbian." I'm like, "You are life so life affirming." I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I yeah. like her. <laughs> I'm not aware of any lesbianism in my lineage. I love that. <laughs> 
nice. I uh, like her. <laughs> which, if they if they ever remade this film, like, which, let's be honest, they probably will, because they're remaking oh, all these, like, I'm 90s sure films will. at this point. Like, Stokely needs to be a lesbian, or at least queer of yeah. some kind. Like, that, that that's just fun. kind of a weird plot point, where, like, she's, like, pretending yeah. to be a lesbian, and, like, let's, yeah. let's give her, like, like, let's I actually don't... make her really think i've ever known anyone who, who who's like i'm just gonna pretend to be lesbian because i don't want people to talk to me i'm like <laughs> just don't brush your teeth or something i don't know like this I, is <laughs> this is like what's his face from last week who was pretending it to be is. on the special needs scale just so yes. people wouldn't talk to him i'm like, who, I'm like why do people do this I don't... was this like a thing in 98 that i didn't yeah. pick up on back in the day i, I don't know i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's pretend to be a minority just to see what happens it's like what is this right. about it's a it's a so strange weird. thing there so yeah you know right at the very beginning of the film you get this great like <laughs> get off the field you limp ass blow dicks and i'm like <laughs> okay that's where we're going with this movie and how fucking attractive is robert patrick in this film like i am He's so into hot. him in this movie yeah He's pretty oh. hot it's He's like terrifyingly sexy. hot yeah and terrifyingly yeah. hot yeah like it and would of course, probably be like a hate fuck but i don't know i mean i can maybe get into it i don't know yeah yeah because he's really attractive in terminator 2 judgment day as well but yes. uh, even here i'm like i i i'm really into him and it's I great know. um and uh uh the, the whole film is just really well cast in general like there's no yeah. really weak link in here and for me anyway and uh um and then we meet like our titular faculty members, of course, including Mrs. Brummel, played by, of course, uh, the is that her, that's her name, right? The theater teacher. Oh, I, yes. I, I think that's uh, Mrs. Olson. Olson, yes, yes, yes. Olson, yeah. yes, yes. Mrs. Brummel is the one who dies later. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, Mrs. Yeah, that Mrs. Old lady. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so she, such she's a not. Gross... Oh, that scene is so gross. It is. Oh. It is. It is. Um, scary. But yeah, Mrs. Olson, who is of course played by. Broadway actress Susan... Will- no, no, no. Actually, I did mean Mrs. Huh? Brummel. Sorry. Wait, Mrs. What? Brummel is played by uh, Broadway <laughs> actress Susan Willis, who had done some things in, like, the Golden Age that's era, right, so that's yeah. fun. And then um, Mr. Tate, played by Daniel Von Bargen, who is best known for Seinfeld and Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, and, uh, and what, what was the one? Uh, Lord of Illusions, actually, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen that in forever. Man, okay. Me either. Um, and then, uh, of course, Mrs. Karen Olsen, which Chris... You want to take oh, want to take this one, <laughs> Piper motherfucking Laurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for anyone who's curious, she is still alive and with us today. So that's she wonderful. Is. I think she she uh, she does cons now too. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah, and then of course Principal Drake, played by the fabulous BB Newirth oh. from Cheers and the uh, very successful '90s Chicago revival. Um, yes, and Elma uh, Kelly. Yes, 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 yes. And all that jazz. <laughs> and all, all that, that jazz. jazz. <laughs> I will say one of my favorite subtitles from this movie is when she's walking back into her office and it says, softly singing Guys and Dolls tune. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's okay, great. I've always wanted to know what the fuck she was singing. That's interesting. I've never been a- able to pinpoint the song. And I know that score, so I think it might just be like I've never fully paid attention but maybe it was one of those things where like they told her she should be like humming something from there and she didn't really know anything so she just like started humming some random thing and then the subtitles were like oh yeah this is obviously from guys and dolls but is it (laughs) (laughs) generic broadway musical song i don't know yeah 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 yeah. and it uh mrs olsen she looks so sad when she finds out you know they're not going to get the budget for guys and dolls and uh, it's so sad. sad 
Yeah. And oh, that makes me so depressed because I've totally been there. I know what that's like to be at yeah. a high school where it's like sports are just the be all end all and like theater not so much you know and you're right i guess we'll just do whatever's the cheapest i don't know (laughs) yeah the moment when she's like yeah well maybe if you use the set that we use for our town i'm like you can't (laughs) use the set from our town for guys and dolls i don't care what concept you go for oh yeah that would be a concept right there like yeah let's just see how this would work i mean maybe it could work i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah Use last year's set for Marta. That's so funny. I love that. If if this was like Straight a straight out slasher film, I feel like this would be like her origin story of like, nope, I'm not going to get the budget I want, so I'm going to go kill everyone on the football team. I will do lamez. Yeah. That's the the spinoff I want to see. Oh, oh, that's Piper Laurie just like off in the rest of the school, and it's, oh, that'd be great. Oh yeah. my god, that sounds so good, man, man. There is still time. There is a, Chris, you could write this, right? <laughs> I, I, oh my! Okay, I'm gonna, I'm t- typing right now as we okay. as we as, as we speak. Episode Perfect. over. I've got words yes. to do. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we talked about like the, the opening stalk and kill scenes, really good, um, solid tension. Oh yeah. Um, also, I get a little bit of like a Tatum vibe from Scream when she's like, "Sleep it off, Coach." It's very like, "Cut it, Casper." Yeah. That's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know she is. St- standing her ground too because she's because she's like you know this this is this this could be considered harassment and Mm -hmm. i'm like this is pre me too and she's like look this ain't gonna happen bitch and it is just uh, but okay i do have one question though yeah so piper laurie when exactly does she turn like when does mrs olsen turn because she doesn't seem that's that's my main question and then you know she's she stabs her multiple times. So wouldn't she be dead, therefore unable to turn into one of the pod people thingies? You know, it's like... Yeah, it seems like some there's questions. some healing involved there or something, or Maybe, they just covered yeah. up. Yeah, that is a strange... They never really addressed Bizarre. that. And, um, I, wonder what that I feel like uh, Piper Laurie has to, like... Because there, there is the sequence where the principal's, like, going into her office and humming guys and dolls allegedly but like as that's going on i feel like that's when the coach has to have turned her and like set this whole thing into motion but it's it's a good point that i mean piper laurie really like hacks it away at her with those scissors so it's yeah, yeah. it's like well you, you look pretty good for being stabbed 30 times yeah, <laughs> yeah is yeah. it kind of like a sort of a like a death becomes her thing where like you can still get hurt but like you won't die I, it's just so confusing i don't know right i i think they just added that again to give it a scream like vibe of, of someone yeah. getting stabbed and killed because it, it's not really necessary they could have just turned her without stabbing her like that <laughs> and we talked about let's see the the great introduction sequences so we already talked mm-hmm. about that with all the teens and um I like that John Abrams or John Abrahams has a little cameo in this. That's fun. Yes, as that couple that's constantly like screaming and like <laughs> like having these full on like Jerry Springer esque like fights. Yeah, in the halls. I'm like, my God, what is wrong with this fucking high school? Mm-hmm. Is he on on IMDb? I I believe he's credited as a uh, fuck you guy, <laughs> which is like <laughs> one of what the an best, honor. Like, character titles to have on uh, that might be the best <laughs> character name of all time actually. <laughs> the fuck oh it's, it's that's uh, great. specifically fuck you boy 
So ah, even, ah. even better. Short and do fuck boy, right? Yes, it's <laughs> that's so great. great. I love it. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know John Abram, John Abrahams, I can't say that name. Of course, he was in Scary Movie and House of Wax and etc. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and I believe his character name in that because we were trying to place it. Yeah. I think on was it like the Hell Knight episode? Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah. It came it's up sometime. Blake. It is Blake. I discovered Blake. Okay. it. It's Blake. And okay. I'll try to never forget that again. <laughs> You're so Here's much better with the names than I am anyway. I'm just like, oh, who's that person? And I'm like, Chris, you need to tell me this person. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, we also had Daniel Peter Masterson from That 70s Show, who's like one of the burnouts on this. So that's fun. Yes. And um, we can't forget Usher is in it. I mean. Usher, yeah. I mean, my God. It's such a time capsule. It's Yeah. It's yeah. so 90s. This it entire is. cast, it just screams, like, <laughs> this is 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, but I think my, my favorite teacher, though, is, um, oh, uh, what's her name? Uh, the English, oh, uh, Miss uh, Burke. Right. Who is, is played by the wonderful Fomka Jensen. Yes. And she's usually known as kind of like a sex pot, but they kind of sort of de- glam her here and it's like very sort of karen black in a trilogy of terror right she's all like uh you know she's got the glasses and she's kind of nerdy and it looks Uh like she's never gotten laid yeah and it's just and she's so sweet like she's just so like meek and you just kind of want to hug her and then she transforms and gets really bad okay look we need to start to talk about people's hair in this film uh there is a problem with the bangs okay and it starts with josh hartnett Mm -hmm. and then it goes to her the bangs are out of control for too long (laughs) we have talked about courtney cox's bangs in scream three it's time to talk about josh hartnett and famke jansen's bangs in this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're awful they're terrifying (laughs) and to make it worse Josh Hartnett has like these weird little like they're like wings on the side of his head. Yes, like these weird wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like what is that? Oh, that's fair. that's a brave choice. Very brave. It was because he didn't really have that in Halloween H two O, so that was definitely something that so. they yeah. decided to do. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say this was actually made first. I think. Right. It, they filmed I think it, it. Yeah, I think came that's right. Out yeah. Afterwards, but they did film it first because I think he talked about how he was on the set of this when he auditioned for h2o i think that makes sense yeah this was kind of like his peak year you know mm-hmm. like oh yeah uh, like what is i what has he done recently he did that uh the uh, penny dreadful show but mm-hmm. otherwise yeah. i can't think of a whole lot recently that he's done so it's yeah i was gonna say the black dahlia but that was like 15 years ago so. yeah i know it's <laughs> it's so crazy we're like, like oh that was, was just really? like five years ago right no that was like <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago or 15 years ago that's ugh. <laughs> Getting old, man. It's uh, I love um, Selma Hayek's line where she's like, "Well, I'm saving my sick days for when I feel better." Yes, I'm like, that is yes. such a teacher line. Well, I, I literally I wrote line. down, "I'm saving my sick days for when I feel better." Is the most accurate depiction of adult life working in the education <laughs> it is, system. It is so true. <laughs> oh my so gosh! Like I will, I will show up to my classroom like hacking up a lung, and people are like, "Do you want to go home sick?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I want to save it. I want to do <laughs> no. something." It's like, I've always loved that line so much. That is a great line. Yeah. Oh, it's so um, funny. And then uh, John Stewart gets that John very Stewart. 
at, at, on the nose line. Maybe I should just put a pen in my eye. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. That one kind of made me cringe because I was it like, does. Uh, that is so cheesy. Like, yeah. I, I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then uh, there's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Harry Knowles that was like the guy from, was it uh, Ain't It Cool News back in the day? Mm-hmm. And he plays the guy, he's kind of like a ginger guy with the long hair that's always in that's always in the lounge. Yeah. Um, and he's in this, um, which is also very much a nineties kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why he was why he's in this. It's kinda of weird. Yeah, there's the uh, interesting choices with some of these cast members. Even even with John Stewart, it's like, oh, okay, like, all right, that's an yeah, interesting choice. Um, I think one of my favorites is uh, Christopher McDonald as Elijah Wood's father because, like, he he was oh, like yeah. the seminal '90s dad in films. Yeah. But because okay. this was like a slightly edgier movie, they gave him like facial hair to make him look more edgy. It felt like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, Femke, like you said. Uh, Chris is it's just she's all over the place in this and uh, she oh, was a mini so a mini scream queen for a while here you know she did like she House was. on Haunted Hill and mm-hmm. Lord of Illusions and Deep Rising and yeah. uh, a couple other things so well, it's, 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 interesting. it's funny because I feel like her character in this it's it very much reminded me of Bonnie in the craft of like just the meek timidness in the beginning and then the transformation sure. of being like super hot and dressing better and fixing your hair Right, yeah, and it, it again so brings weird. to, like, question, like, do these aliens make them into the people that they want to be, or they just make them into, like, the opposite of who they are? Or, like, how does this... Yeah. I, because, I have questions like, about this. It kind of seems like BB sort of stays more or less the same. True. Right? And then... Yeah. But now Piper, like, all of a sudden, like, she's a bit more kind of conservative-ish, but then, like, once she's turned, like, she... She takes her hair, hair, her down, hair yeah. down, and she has, like, the snazzy little outfits and stuff. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. There's there's questions about that for sure. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Stan's little mini arc as, like, a football star turned wannabe nerd. Um, is that a thing uh, in real life? Like, does that happen? I don't I, know. I don't know. <laughs> but I kind of like it in a way. It's I went to, uh private art school for high school with no sports or PE. So like I literally wrote down, I was like, is this what like showers in high schools look like? Cause this is, it's, it's very alien to me. Yes. Literally oh, alien. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's an, it's an interesting little arc there. And, uh, um, uh, cause I, I always hated in high school when there were, you had this like super hot jock person who was also really smart because like God mm. should not give with both hands like that, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um and and Stan like I mean I, he's actually kind of runty for like a football player but it, uh, yeah he doesn't really look like a football player like may, like I I would maybe buy him as like a swimmer but yeah. not so much a like a or like a tennis player <laughs> right not, doesn't really he doesn't really scream like football jock to me but yeah, yeah. and he's played by Sean Ratozzi right is that his name? I think that's uh, Sean Hattesty. Yeah, he. Oh, he, why um, did I write that down? <laughs> Who knows? I, I, <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Who can say? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and he's he's done some he's done some some stuff. Like he he still works. Yeah, he was in. I just watched In and Out the other night, and he was in that uh, Paul Rudnick oh, film. I love and he's that in that. Movie. So that's fun. And uh, yeah. 
the, yeah, there's so many little things with the character here, so it's yeah. characters, so it's, yeah. it's... Oh, okay, so Delilah, I forgot how much of a bitch she is. Oh my god, she's such a bitch. How the hell are her and Casey, like, together? That makes absolutely yeah. no sense. Right, right. And that was right. really weird. Yeah, and and because he says that... Like... Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, well, it, 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 it's just weird that they team up. Um, for reasons I'm still not really sure about. Like, I guess he wants her to do a, a story on the parasite that he found, I guess. And mm-hmm. she and she wants to do this stuff of, about the teachers, and so that's why they're in the lounge. But I'm like, I just, I don't really buy that being a thing. I think it's it, like, they, they were, at least what I thought they were trying to go for and not successfully doing it is more so that, like, she's the editor of the paper and he's the photographer that like does all the stuff for her stories oh i forgot about his camera that makes so much more sense okay but like at the same time like that's like a super sloppy reason for them to team up anyways so it's like right and he he at that one point where they're having that discussion in the office like he says you can be really cool sometimes and like can she (laughs) i've never seen it show me the receipts I had totally forgotten how she's awful. She's yeah. a terrible person. Like, even before she gets turned. Like, she might be worse before she gets turned than when she actually gets turned. So it's, I think so, it's too. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's... at least she's not insulting everybody. Yeah, yeah. I will it's, say uh... Uh, the, the the good thing about her being such a bitch is we honest. I started making a tally of Stokely's insults. Um, like, she, like, literally has some of the most ridiculous insults I've ever heard. We have gutter slut. We have bipolar bitch. She says, blow me blood fart at one point. (laughs) Call somebody tit bags. I mean, like, Stokely's vernacular for insulting people is phenomenal. So thank you. Off the charts. Off the level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Stokely. I do love her. I like Stokely a lot. She's really fun. Yeah, yeah. And, like... Uh, she actually probably would have been like kind of cool in the '90s because, again, it was cool if you could come up with these like little uh, uh, burns like that on the spot yeah. because most people can't. And but if you can talk in this like witty repartee, like people are like, "Ooh, yeah. how cool!" Like, but I don't it's, know. It's funny because uh, everybody that I know who like loves this movie and who also happens to be queer like stokely is the character that they're like she's the best she's my favorite (laughs) right that's the thing like if they remake this like she needs to be queer like it just needs to be a thing and honestly make casey gay as well because he has this like twinkie vibe to him that i'm like and there's like these moments between him and the coach that are very like um i get this like sexual vibes here that this okay (laughs) oh oh. (laughs) and um at least that's another film right there yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. The, okay, the the thing that did stick out for me with this cast this time around, though, like, is uh, how white it is, other than Usher. Like, it, it is such a... And I know that was kind of the thing oh, yeah. for this era in general, but, like, if you look at 1997, you had Scream 2, which at least had some black characters, and then, uh, what was the other one? Um, I still know what we did last summer. I still that know one. what you did last summer. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Brandy, hello. Yeah, so it's, like, briefly, they were, like... This was more of a a trying and being more conscious, (laughs) but then then you got to the faculty in 99 and it's like, oh, all white again. Although I do like Usher in this movie. He just doesn't get a whole lot to do. I think he has like three lines. Like he doesn't have anything to do. No, he's just sort of, I think he, he like insults Casey and, uh, and that's like his first line. And then like, there's some, there's that one bit like toward, towards the end and that's kind of it. He doesn't have 
much to do. That was a big thing in the 90s, though, of putting these, like, R&B hip-hop artists in these movies, too. You know? Oh, yeah. Halloween H2O. Yeah, yeah, LL yeah. Cool J, who I LL actually cool really, I love him in yeah. that, actually. I think he's really, really funny in that. Yeah. Um, and he actually does get kind of a character arc, like, which I like. Um, so he actually has some something to do in that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, but, yeah, I don't know. Come to think of it, there's not um, and Coolio in Batman and Robin, which I love. And the uh, one that I always think of is where they just randomly decide to stick in R and B musicians is Cisco and the seminal classic Get Over It. Yes, Get Over It. I love Get Over It. Oh, it's such so underrated. Oh, I love it. There's one I have not thought about for a long. Well, it's, it's so funny because I, I I just googled it and like literally the the cover of the film of like all the promotional material is Kirsten Dunst. Ben Foster and then Cisco. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. that but like Cisco's character like was not treated as like a lead. <laughs> so it's just right? it's interesting. Yeah. And, and if I remember right, doesn't Usher he, he's in she's all that briefly as well. Yeah, I think he's like the DJ in the prom sequence or something. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right, where they do the choreographed dance that's like right. oh yeah, sure, because every prom choreographs a <laughs> entire dance. Yeah. That, right, right. Oh, yeah, man. that's it's the only thing that's, that's kind of missing from this movie. Like, we needed a prom sequence, right? Like, it, <gasps> yes, how great that? that would be great. But, uh, oh well, I yeah. I don't know what time of the school year this is taking place. I guess it's during football season, so like mm, I guess earlier, like maybe. But like, yeah. yeah. That classroom scene with John Stewart first getting bitten is very like nerve wracking. Like, why are you putting your hand yeah. in that oh, that yeah. thing? Like, you, like, why you? are you doing this? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is so stupid. And then right after you get that Brummel shower scene, which is that scene has like disturbed me since the oh, first time really I saw gross. it. Ugh. It's really gross. It, it's just that like that weird like chunk of her scalp and like the like greenish goop stuff. Ugh. Ugh. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah. Ugh. Because I think so much of this movie, it it plays as like a PG-13 slasher, but then you have these really like gross, nasty moments like that, that like I'd probably yeah. push it over into the R rating, but it's interesting that, yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, it's interesting man. that in the nineties, they were, they were making these R rated slashers that were really more geared toward teenagers. Whereas now it's like when they make a slasher, it's just going to be really like, like happy death day, you know, something really light that is going to PG-13 still. And yeah. so it, it was, that was interesting that they were still kind of making these R rated in the nineties, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, I love the scene when Zeke is like peddling his drug or apparently celebrity pornography TBD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, like, what did so you say? You got Jennifer Love Hewitt and or, Nev Kent Campbell, oh, and they're naked. <laughs> so meta, so meta. Oh. <laughs> Both Did you Kevin know? Williams. Yeah, both Kevin Williams. Um, yeah. Heroines, you know, mm -hmm. back yeah. in the day. That was oh, fun. Oh, God. That was so ridiculous. I'm like, would they even, like, how would they fall for that shit? That's so stupid. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Like, come on. And then, like, after that we is when we finally leave the high school and we go over to Casey's house mm -hmm. um, and his very dysfunctional life. And Travis, you talked about his dad and everything. And it's, yeah, it's, and okay, I, I, I never really thought about this character, but, like, it's a little odd that, 
and and kind of gross actually that he has these candid photos of Delilah just hanging around his bedroom like that's a little creepy yeah. that she didn't know that he took and it's like I guess you could argue it's yeah I don't know you couldn't really argue it's sweet it's just kind of weird that he did this but I don't know I don't know it's a thing uh, although okay there's that one scene where he's trying to climb out of his window and he mm-hmm. sees like three of the faculty outside and then he kind of like falls off of the roof and his dad comes outside and they're just randomly gone yeah wait what i'm like that and it's so quick too i'm like they're not that fast for for me i because this movie is is built so much around like paranoia and like not knowing who is real and who's an alien like i always interpreted that as like they weren't actually there he's just so on edge and paranoid that like that's what he thinks he's seeing but it's not right. actually there which is probably me trying to give it more credit than it actually deserves <laughs> because it's probably just intended to be like a scare scene of just like a quick yeah, scare no, but no yeah sometimes you have to make your own like a oh, reason yeah. to make some of these things make sense like later on when um uh, Delilah, uh, not Delilah, um, uh, Mary Beth is walking and like the shadows of just these big tentacles are like around her. And I'm like, that doesn't oh, make yeah. any sense, but okay. I like the effect of that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, visually yeah. it's pretty cool, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's sort yeah. of like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after the, after the scene at, at Casey's house, uh, uh, <laughs> Delilah has that great line. <laughs> Do you think I'm in drag for the aesthetics? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bitch, you pulled your bangs forward and put on some glasses. Let's be real. It's like, you're oh. not fooling anyone, Delilah. No, like, she, that's not... like, we talked about girls with glasses a lot last month, and she is a fake girls with glasses. Like, I, I don't accept oh, her into this canon. No, this is cultural ap- appropriation here. I'm, yeah. I am mad about this. Yeah. yeah. She does not deserve Uh-oh. to be in the Velma Scooby Doo no. gang. <laughs> She's a fake girl with glasses. Oh my god, okay. Uh, and then Stan has, like, my favorite line in the film, which is, I worked hard for that D. I deserved that D. <laughs> yeah, We've do. all been there, baby. <laughs> like, so many lines in this, like, how do people not realize, like, how gay this 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 dialogue is? I, uh, oh, I love it so much. Oh, and then I did make a note that that um, that just said, "Oh God, Creed is on this soundtrack." Oh no! And that's how you know it was the '90s. Oh yeah, and it's when is... when Casey's like coming to school the next day, yeah. and like he, and it's like, and I think they only picked that song because like. I am not being a Creed fan at all, but, like, that scene, I remember it because, like, it has, like, the lyric, like, I'm, like, I'm becoming a man or something stupid like that. And it's, like, this moment. Right. So it's, like, this this turning moment for Casey to, to, like, grow up and take take down the aliens and i'm just like okay yeah. guys you're kind of pandering here <laughs> I, I know yeah it was actually a um it was it was a uh a cover of an alice cooper song i think that makes it yeah i yeah. think you're right so i was like this is a little bit better than their u- usual output so yeah like, yeah I'm yeah curious <laughs> well and we talked about disturbing behavior last week how they gave the director essentially a list of songs from the record company and we're like just put this in the movie and i would not be surprised if that was the case here where they had a list of oh, songs yeah. they're like how do i work this into this movie you know um, absolutely and that was very indicative of this heavy commercialism period and uh 
we'll have to post. There's this great um, commercial advertisement that the cast of the faculty did for Tommy Hilfiger. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I remember this. It's so good. And, and it like goes against like everything that the movie is about with like not conforming and everything else. But it's just so indicative of this period where like all these movies were heavily linked to what was going on in pop culture and commercialism and everything else. And, and yeah. which is the best parody of this period is actually Josie and the Pussycats. Anyone who's never seen that movie because it, it just rips on this period so much. And I love it <laughs> uh, with like all the product placement and everything else. It, it's great. Uh, yeah, uh, we talked about, like, this is kind of where Famke's transition starts, to where she becomes this, like, dominatrix of sorts. It was, and, like, very yeah. much, like, a precursor to her playing Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix oh, for oh, me. For sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I like, she gets that line that's like, I'm gonna shove my foot up your ass so far, you'll be sucking my toes till graduation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, am I into that? I might be. I don't know. Maybe. Like, it's like, well, maybe. If it's her, because she's, she's, she's kind of hot. I'm like, yeah. this is... <laughs> like, yeah. She's great. Yeah. I love her. And then, one of the best scenes in the movie, well, is it the best? I don't know. I used to really love the scene, now I'm like, it's a little much, where Casey and Stokely are in the library and they're discussing, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers versus the Puppet Masters and everything else, and I'm like, this just kind of just goes on and on. I feel (laughs) like it's it's just content of, like, okay, we're gonna try to explain this for anybody who hasn't quite grasped what we're doing yet. (laughs) Right, right. But also, like, every director in Hollywood is also probably part of this mass conspiracy man. And, <laughs> and oh my god, the part where um, Stokely's like, it's fiction, dumbass. And Casey's like, yeah, so Schindler's List. <laughs> like, I don't think like, you can equate those I, two things. I don't think Schindler's List is really fiction, per se. Yeah, sort of, it, it, I mean. it's... That scene... I, I, I used to be really into that scene, but I think it's just one of the more kind of dated aspects where it's like we have to make everything so meta that like it's so yeah. in your face and so obvious. And I don't know. Yeah, it's it's there's some cringy parts now, but I still enjoy that. I still scene. like it's it. Just, I still like just, it. It's just it's just a lot. Yeah. It goes on it's quite a, a quite a bit. It's a no. bit in in your in your face. Whereas I would say the rest of of the film isn't really that sort of tongue in cheek. Like it, no, no, kind of. It, it does sort of take it pretty seriously for for the the most part, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one one aspect that this film does so well is because um, we're we're kind of like getting to the point where like shit starts to hit the fan is um, really layering in Mary Beth and like how duplicitous she is with everything. I mean, like I like watching it back this time. Um, with just, like, trying to look at it from a lens of, like, cool, I'm gonna, like, actually, like, think about this instead of just enjoy it. Um, right. But, like, the... So, for instance, like, the scene with Jon Stewart when it's all, like, we finally have our ensemble fully gathered together and that big confrontation with Jon Stewart and the moment when the fingers are coming after, like, Mary Beth and Delilah and they, like... Mary Beth like pulls her behind the lab table like I was like oh you know what that's when she turned Delilah in that moment because nobody could see them they were down on the ground that's a perfect moment for her to just slip something into her ear and so just like just like the little subtle moments of like them layering in Mary Beth to be the spoiler alert the queen um yeah but like it's 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 really interesting to see that it I I would say that this this script uh, or well the film itself is really smart in that area mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah yeah it definitely leaves you guessing and uh uh 
it, it, and there are like these nice little moments between Zeke and Mary Beth where like she could have turned him, but I think she's so fascinated oh. by him that she keeps yeah. him like normal. <laughs> Like because they're to get they're together in like a closet or something at one point and where they're kissing right. and it's like you could have turned him right there but mm-hmm. she doesn't. Arguably, I would say by, by the end of the movie, he's he's the only one that doesn't turn. Like because even even in the in the the I know I'm kind of jumping ahead, but like even in the last moments, like Casey has them crawling in his face, like he is about to become one of them, but like Zeke just gets knocked out by her, yeah, like true. he he doesn't. True succumb to it in any way so like it's it's interesting to think about like her as like this alien species being so fascinated by him because he's yeah just like so devil may care and so it's like yeah. hmm. it's just interesting to think of the fact that like he is the the sole one to not have any transformation happen mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that, that, sure. that that is weird and it, it is kind of strange that i think he's the he's technically the first one that we meet i think in the film because he comes in in his car i think he's the first one that yeah we see, he's, he's the first one that we see but the last one to get like his like name placard thing yeah, which is interesting yeah, that's yeah. kind of weird yeah hmm. I, I never thought of that is he technically the main character <laughs> i don't know i feel like he's very <laughs> much the the unexpected hero like he's yeah. he's set up very much to be the Especially, like, kind of looking at the lens that we're talking about right now, that with, like, Mary Beth's interest in him and just kind of, he's he's the one that has the solution to kill the creatures. Like, he's the one who's created the weapon to destroy them. Do, okay, does this movie have two final boys then? Because I it love that. Might, I would actually, 100% yeah. say yes. Okay. That, yeah, actually come to think of it because they're the ones doing all the heavy lifting at the end which also explains the the whole sequence because like i've always felt it so random i'm like okay why did zeke and casey go to his car like that's so random that it's these two that are chosen yeah leaving uh stokely and mary beth alone like maybe it's just some like repressed male thing oh well we're the dudes so we have to go do it but it's like it does set them up to be painted as the two final boys Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, wow, look at mm. this. We got final boys. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and then you know, back to the story. This is where John Stewart gets the literal pin to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> A little on the nose there, guys, but okay. Yeah. And uh, and then Stan gets one of my other fa- Stan gets some great lines in this film, by the way. And he shouldn't be this smart, but anyway, <laughs> I like where he's like, <laughs> and this is like the quintessential 90s line of, I'm not an alien, I'm discontent. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that love oh, oh it's, it's it's so great and uh, then delilah's like casey when did you become sigourney weaver <laughs> that's also great <laughs> that whole sequence of them turning against one another is just like it's it's really it's paced really well and from yeah. like a writing standpoint like even though it has some of those like ridiculous lines like when did you become sigourney like it's it's still I, I think it's it's one of my favorite scenes of just them just like kind of leaning into that paranoia atmosphere that the film is setting. It's really good. It's yeah. pretty intense. And and that's the scene that kind of rem- reminds me of the thing is right. that whole like test, you know, yeah. because you're just like one of them is going to turn and they're going to find out and then the shit's really going to hit the fan. And so there's just that tension of which one is it going to be? Yeah. And, oh, it's so great. Yeah, I also, that's... oh, uh, but like before they get to the 
kind of Breaking Bad meth lab that they've set up. Um, <laughs> like the the scene of them leaving the 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 school and like walking to the car, and it's just like their names being like whispered and like the sharp like shots of like people like and close-ups on the main ensemble like that's just like such an iconic scene for this movie to me like it just totally encapsulates the whole like kind of era of horror and suspense films like this that i just i think it's so well done yeah it really is yeah 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 and uh when elijah wood at during this uh um, cracked in scene is like tweaking on scat. He is so out of control. And yet like, let him fucking tweak is like, they're, one of they're my fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like when they need to be okay, they kind of just snap out of it. I'm like, okay, and, like, that's how that works. Yeah. And I get adrenaline and everything yeah, else, but it's a little drug. Yeah. Trip, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is um, when we find out that Delilah is an alien. <gasps> Shocker. <gasps> no. And Stokely's just like, I'll fucking shoot her. I mean, she has been waiting for this moment to shoot her in the right? face the entire film. And, like, even though she's a really poor shot and can't hit her, I'm like, you know what? You do it. Like, go for you it. You do you, girl. Yeah. It's gonna be your finest hour. Yeah, it's so good. Oh. <laughs> oh. Stokely is Stokely's the real MVP of this film. She doesn't get the the I love she deserves. I think she is. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah, fine having much. like two final boys and Stokely. Like that's that's a great little yeah. interesting different trio. And uh, it is. And uh, then we get to the football game, which is also like very iconic for this movie because it's mm-hmm. so like fucking crazy, and they're just like killing each other up there on the field, and the coach is just uh, living for it the whole time. And they oh. have like fucking like explosives in the background I'm like I have never been to a foot a football game at a high school with like fireworks and shit I'm like that what was is another this? moment this where awesome. I was like again I, I went to a private art school so I turned to my roommates I was like is, does this happen at football games and they were like no <laughs> like, you know if it's, like, if it's like the homecoming game which maybe that's what this is supposed to be but they don't really ever say that so yeah um, but um, I've never seen that I yeah, wish I had yeah it's, they, it really sounds exciting they do occasionally like because I'm from the midwest in like the small town area they do stuff like this but not to this degree like not yeah. this huge fireworks spectacular thing unless it's like I don't know some really posh school but whatever um and then B.B. Newworth, unfortunately, does not make it, um, sadly. And it's... But it's, I love that scene where where they're like, sniff it, and sh- and she's like, no, it's like, sniff it, or he'll shoot, shoot you. And she just goes, <laughs> I will not! Yeah. <laughs> it's a great line read. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, she... It's It's really sad, because she is one of the few real deaths in the film, and I don't think she really deserved it. So what no. are you going to do? And it's, it's um, great, though, because it's it's another moment of Mary Beth as the queen just, like, finding a way to, like... I mean, in the moment, like, it would make sense of her pouring the entire thing because she's so, like, scared and worked up. But it's like, ooh, I'm getting rid of all of your weapons against me. Like, yeah. it's just... It's, right. It's just so well-layered, I think. It yeah, is. it is. It is. A lot of... There's a lot of red herrings in this movie where they make you think mm-hmm. it could be anyone, but... Um, yeah. Although I will say, we know as the audience members at this point that it's not the principal because we saw her get turned yeah. earlier on. So that was exactly. kind of a thing where it's like, okay. But, uh, yeah. um, and then what? And then Stan goes out and then Stan gets turned. And that's mm-hmm. where there's another like little good monologue there where he's like, there'll be no more problems or worries. And it's like, 
well, this sounds okay. Like, what's yeah. so bad about yeah. this, you know? I will yeah. say that, yeah. that that moment, it always angers me because I'm like, if we were down to one pen, I would not give him the entire thing. Like, I would give right. him enough to just, like, snort a little bit to have a reaction, but I'm not giving him every single <laughs> amount of it. That's yeah, so true. No. And, you know, thinking on that same track, like, when Mary Beth supposedly takes it, she says she should have an allergic reaction, and she doesn't. And that should have been a giveaway that she didn't take it then. But again, we don't really think about it at that point. So it's interesting. Exactly. But, uh, um, and then <laughs> Famke gets like beheaded and uh, <laughs> her head is just kind of walking around. Very the thing again. And it's, it's, oh, it's great. I love that. Bit. I do. I do so love, um, I, I just like thought of it again, but like kind of backtracking to Stan's monologue where he's like talking mm-hmm. about how like it's great and everything. But like when it like shifts, it very much gave me like Mark Wahlberg and fear vibes when he's like, open the fucking door. Like that's true. That's it like, true. That's true. I was like, Ooh, that's, 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 a, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Scary, yeah. Actually. Yeah. That's another one that usually gets sort of grafted into this period, even though it came out technically before screen, but that's a good one. It's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, um yeah and then we get this little conversation before before Mary Beth is revealed where she's talking to um Stokely and she's like you ever get tired of being something you're not I know I am and then the big reveal oh, happens and it's, it's so good it's good Stokely's uh no fucking way yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so in that moment Stokely is all of us <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. And oh, same with Zeke earlier on when he sees Famke's head and he's just like, fuck this, I'm out of here, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> like, I am. Well, and that's, I, I, I very much appreciate the level of being self-aware that this film has of like, yeah. there's like moments where it's like, are you kidding me? I'm out. Like, bye. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I feel like it's actual reactions that we would all probably have if this was really happening you know like because mm-hmm. it's 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 not like some kind of like cheesy thrown in their comedy bit like it's genuine like shock like oh my god are you fucking kidding me here like i'm out yeah and it's just it just works so well it does and um yeah and then you get to this big sort of climax here with everything which is very um uh, Chris, I know you're a big Hello Mary Lou prom night too. Like the oh, there's that like ever. um locker room scene in there that reminds yeah. me of this a lot. And, and um, she kind of looks a lot like the girl in that too, in a way. Yeah, like she's got like the long blonde hair, and yeah, so that yeah, yeah, and a, a really good like mix of like practical effects with some CGI, and it it still holds up pretty well today for yeah, like it's not that bad. No, yeah, for like 21 years old or whatever. It's it's uh, or 22, yeah. Um, Solid and uh, uh, and the, and the interesting thing too is that like Mary Beth is completely nude, but like the shadows just like happen to cover up most of her breasts. Did you notice that? Yeah. I, I yeah. do. I absolutely love like the the where Zeke is between Stokely and Mary Beth, and she's like, yeah. "No, it's her, it's her." And he's like, "Can you just answer me one thing? Why are you naked?" <laughs> yes. That's it's like one of my favorite. Line deliveries that Josh oh, Hartnett so has good. in the entire film. <laughs> because you you can see the outline of her breast, but like the nipples, like not really. Like if you really like look, you can. But I thought that yeah. was an interesting kind of choice there because we talked about on disturbing behavior. Like there's a full tit shot in that movie, yeah. whereas this one it was like maybe it was in her contract that she wasn't going to show or something. But like they yeah. they kind of 
were pretty discreet about that. I, and, I, um, I as we were talking earlier about how young I was when this came out, I distinctly remember at that moment my mom covering my eyes. Like that's how young I was. So like I that that whole scene of her like walking in the tentacles the first time I saw it, I just had to uh, auditorily take that in. <laughs> that's funny. I don't remember what they did when they showed this on TV. I guess maybe they just maybe it's you don't see quite enough. Maybe that's why they yeah, did cover I it up like they, that. But I don't maybe know. like maybe they sort of like digitally darkened it a bit more. That could maybe. be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And Mary Beth, because I think I've seen it on T. I, I I think I saw it on like USA maybe at mm, some point. Yeah. So yeah. I think they might have done that. Yeah. And Mary Beth has that great line that's like, "We don't know what she is: gay, straight, alien." <laughs> so related because <laughs> those, those are the only choices right like, <laughs> yeah because bisexuality didn't exist in the 90s as we saw in buffy the vampire slayer and everything else so it was just like gay straight alien <laughs> i do i i think one of the like f- even though it's very brief a very fun cinematic sequence is casey and stokely running from her like at the pool and like the slow-mo shot of like the creature yeah. coming up and grabbing stokely i just think from like a cinematic standpoint it's it's super super intriguing to watch yeah, yeah. that reminds me of some, something i don't know what maybe it follows at the pool there's a little bit of that uh i, can I, see that. Yeah. I like like pool sequences like that we need more of those those mm-hmm. are fun yeah i love a good pool yeah 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 good, good pool scene um and then the big kind of confrontation with casey in the gym which is really well done as well um mm-hmm. i like with the bleachers like going in and out because that is a thing that yeah. happens maybe not like it, that fast that but real. like yeah, yeah. i i, I think had no happens. idea that that was a thing in school it's, it's and i was yeah. like that yeah. it's it's a very it's a really cool use of environment to take out your big bad that like i yeah. i yeah. can't kind of think of anything else that is that unique yeah except right. maybe poor tatum in the garage door but <laughs> yeah 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 and Casey gets that great line that's like, you wouldn't have liked it here anyway. It's like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Because as a species, humans suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Because Mary Beth is just this liberator who is offering us world peace and getting to be whoever we want. And here we are fighting against yeah. her. And um, it's very, very American, for one thing, as we're finding in this oh, era know. that we're in. We're like, this is what you have to do to be safe. And, uh, of course, we're like, no, fuck that. We're going to do what we want to yeah. do. <laughs> Let's just kind of do the complete opposite. Yeah, that makes so much fucking sense. It's yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So ridiculous. I but truly... then we have the epilogue. <laughs> which uh, <laughs> I have so many things to say about the epilogue. Uh, yes. I... I don't, I don't appreciate the Breakfast Club treatment of Stokely, like, having to, like, literally, almost exactly wearing what Ali Sheedy wears at the end of the Breakfast Club, like, the the idea that the weird person needs to conform. I also don't like the slightly predatory aspect that Miss Burke turns into, like, (laughs) watching him and, like, coily waving, I don't understand. Oh, it's so scary. And yeah. What? Okay, so the scarf around her neck, is that because she had to reattach her head? I totally like, think that she was left with a really gnarly scar that, like, she just oh had my to gosh. wear a scarf. Oh, 
<laughs> so if she takes it off, is her head just gonna fall? Oh down my the gosh! It reminds me of what? that. I don't. I don't know if you like growing up that like legend of like the girl with the green locket or whatever. Yeah. Where yeah, yeah when yeah. he takes off her necklace, her head falls off. Like that's totally yeah. what it gave me. There, there, there's so much going on in this sequence, and like you said, Travis, like it doesn't really make sense that uh, uh, Delilah and Casey end up together, and oh. uh, it's like it's one of those things where like okay, maybe in the moment I could buy it, but like obviously they're not gonna end up together in the long run you know right. it's it's interesting because yeah. on just because i i always get curious about like what like websites say about stuff and like the wikipedia page it says delilah no longer vindictive is now dating casey and i was like how do we know she's no longer vindictive what has changed yeah. she's still a bitch yeah. <laughs> it sort of gives me a vibe like it might have been like a reshoot maybe right that's what i was gonna say too yeah yeah it's like i almost feel like it probably ended with casey killing her and then it just went to black but then like there was a test screening and they and they were like so did everybody die like did did they come back and like i guess we have to add an epilogue and that's what we got it's like they overcorrected because it's like yeah Yeah. now nobody dies and everyone is really happy and it's it's a little it's yeah it's it's a little much and um i know a lot of people i've heard people say that like the main issue is that it kind of reinforces the conformity thing travis like you said with um stokely there and it it kind of does that too yeah and uh and then why is fucking Zeke on the on the football the football team? team. Yeah, once again yeah. conformity. It's I don't like know. what is this about? It's like so really all you have to do is just be like everybody else. Yeah, I I, I do appreciate that Stan at least is no longer on the team, but um, yeah, yeah, at least he actually had kind of an arc. That's yeah. something that's interesting yeah. with Stan, and I don't know if it's just if so. I'm I'm looking at the. Uh, promotional materials for this film as we're talking yeah. about this and the poster it we i know we kind of talked about posters but it it says these six students are about to discover their teachers really are from another planet but stan is nowhere on the poster it's usher claire duvall it's it's so i mean it's everybody but stan and usher is like in the uh, forefront of the poster um and so it's just it's i i don't know if it was just the unfortunate reality of Hollywood being like, well, we need to have a person of color on the marketing, but like, I I don't know if something was with his character where it, like it changed like mid filming or something, but it's just, it's interesting to look at the marketing materials for this film versus what the actual film. What was Stan, the actor's name again? It was uh... Uh, Sean Hattesty. I guess he might not have been like a big enough name at the time, but I I think that was probably part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, I-, I like all the like magazines at the end that uh, I was trying to read through the some of the stuff that was on those where they were giving them to Casey, and one oh, of them yeah. was like Generation X Terrestrial, <laughs> 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 and then it says exclusive spaceship photo inside. I'm like, there was no spaceship. Oh, what? Like, what the hell? Oh, oh we gotta love it. The tabloid oh, journalism tabloids. of it all. Oh, and those it, used to be so much fun. And it's like it it's pretty true to life because like I feel like if something happened in in real life like this, half the population would believe it and half of it wouldn't. And that was kind of exactly. what these these magazines said too. It was so it oh, was yeah. fun, yeah. They would yeah. be like it's part of that liberal uh, agenda. Yeah, yeah. The liberal media lying to us again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's great though about this movie is like even I I feel like when it came out, it it didn't quite get like 
I mean, it, it was successful, but, like, in recent years, like, it's gotten such a, like, a resurgence of, like, I remember uh, linking to Kevin uh, a while ago, like, somebody wrote, like, an essay revisiting the faculty, and just, like, I feel like it's, it's like a, a fine wine. It's it's aged over time for the better in some regards. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's still so fun, and... Um... I think a lot of it really holds up. I have like a few small things here and there, but like overall, I I, I still just have a really good time with this. It's a great popcorn movie. Um, I think that the main thing I realized this time around was just how much of kind of a liberator that Mary Beth is. And she's not as much of a villain as I remember her being. I know. What is that about? I'm like, I thought she was the bad guy. I don't know what... I, but I was like, you know what? You stand for some good stuff, Miss Maribeth Louise Hutchinson of Atlanta. Right? Like, is she the queer person in this movie? Is she the one who's, like, right? trying to make them, like, you know, give in to their desires? And yeah. that's so interesting. I'm and like, just well, knowing that this was written by a queer person, like, really yeah. reinforces that in my head more, too. But I, I'd be interested to hear so, Kevin Williamson's take on that. Maybe what it's trying to tell us is that we don't deserve good things. I think so. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. This is teaching us a lesson. Yes. <laughs> it's a very deep film. Very, very, deep. <laughs> very deep. Yeah. So many layers, as we as we like to say. <laughs> so, like, you know, if they ever remake this, which, who knows, they probably will. They're remaking everything else from the 90s. Like, yeah. who would you guys like to see in this movie? I can't even think of, like, anyone... Or like, oh, man. I don't know. Oh man, this is like my favorite thing to do of like of <laughs> modern I casting. That, I know you were into this. So. <laughs> um, for okay, so for Casey, I would. I mean, I know it's kind of a cop out, but like, I think Tom Holland would be great. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to obviously diversify our palette as well. Of, <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, our ensemble cast. Um, so like. Give me somebody, like, I, I think it would be interesting for, like, Laura Harrier to play um, Delilah. Something like that. Um be good. Trying to think of, like, other fun additions. Yeah. Um, what was the, the, that recent show on Netflix, Sex Education? Have you watched that? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. Not yet. Um, the, there's a good, like, jock character in there, and I would love to see him play um, Stan. Uh, what is his name? I'm gonna have to look it up. But uh, yeah, it, this is tough. <laughs> it is, yeah, because I feel like I don't keep as track of like the the, the teens today. Yeah. So it's like that's I don't... my problem. I'm like, who's young enough to play a teenager that I actually know of? <laughs> yeah, and even, and even like... though she's kind of on the cusp of being older, I think Florence Pugh would be an awesome Stokely. Sure, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, it depends how they, they would go with the casting, because nowadays you never know. Like, in the 90s, it was always like, let's cast these, like, 28-year-olds to play these roles, but now it's like, you never know. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, and it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It would be fun to I, kind of have a throwback of, like, Elijah Wood playing, um, like, John Stewart's character or something. Yes! yes. That's a good idea. Oh, that would be so great. That would be great. Yeah. I could I could see that. Um, I can't, like, I, but I'm trying to think, like, who would play, like... The BB Newworth part, like who's like a like kind of a prickly type, you know, sort of. Um, man, this is so to be God, who's like forty-ish? I guess she was about forty at that time. Hmm. Um, man, this is so tough. 
I how I I could see that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I I also like in in this age of remakes like. I think that it can't be Mary Beth. I think, like, it has to be somebody else just to, like, keep us on our toes. Just because that would be, that would be fun to, like, not anticipate that it's, it's the new kid that we've all been familiarized with. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, and this reveal, I think, works better than a lot of the other whodunits because it was clearly planned from the start, whereas some of the other ones, it was like, oh, it could be any of these people and the last minute, let's just do... Which was was our issue with Sorority Row when we talked about that. It was like, this was clearly not planned and it was just like, okay, well, let's just do this. It's it's funny because we, ironically, my roommates and I, we watched uh, Scream 2 last night. Um, And like, we were kind of talking about that, how like, I mean, in early, I, I was reading online, like... And Kevin, you would probably know more on this than I do. Um, but like how in early drafts, like they were considering like literally five killers in that movie, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, just yeah. like absurd. <laughs> and but like instances of that, like come up in the script where it's like that of the final product where it's like, were you trying to like go in that direction that this person was the killer? It's right, interesting. Right. Well, I yeah. think what happened was the, someone had stolen the script and so they had to go back in because I think it was it was it was it was leaked yeah. online, and mm-hmm. so they had to go back in and like change a whole bunch of crap. And I want to say it was originally Derek and Hallie were the killers. I think right, right. That's what I remember. And then I I, I want to say maybe Mickey turned out to be one too. And then, but I do seem to recall that. Cotton still shows up, and I think he and Sydney kill one another, and that's how it ends. <laughs> it's like they're just both completely dead on the stage. I, I think I was like, well, that's dark. <laughs> yeah, and Debbie was still, I think, involved, wasn't she? I, I don't think yeah, that was I, for, I don't from think what I what I what I saw last night. And again, I, I don't know how accurate it is, but like that initially, they were toying with the idea of with the five killers of being Cotton, Mickey, Mrs. Loomis, Derek, and Hallie, like all five of them mm-hmm. working together to like come at Sydney from all angles of her life. And I'm like, okay, that's a little much, but crazy <laughs> town right there. That's that, that would. Yeah. It's like, maybe it could have worked. Who knows? Cause I know he was going to try something similar with scream three where like it, it was going to be like all of these teen killers, but then you find out at the end that like, ugh. Oh, no, th- there was going to be a couple teen killers who were killing everyone, but then you find out at the end that nobody was actually dead, and it was this kind of April Fool's thing where everybody raises, rises right. up, and yet they were apparently being manipulated by, by Stu, who is still alive in prison, and I'm like, where? I, I feel like I've heard <laughs> conflicting things about this. It's really all over yeah, the place. <laughs> it sounds a bit like fanfic to me, but yeah, it's yeah. like really weird fanfic. Like, I, I trust um, Kevin Williamson, and I feel like it would have made more sense in the context, but like, just hearing about maybe. it, I'm like, I don't know how this would have worked, but all right. Well, and with, yeah. with all that being said, if, if we're going down this path of potential yeah. faculty remakes, who would you guys like to see as the alien queen or king? Like, of the characters? Yeah, like, if, if if we're thinking, like, it's it's the same kind of archetype, the same sort of setup, but, like, knowing with, with the age of remakes and reboots, like, it's, we, we can't have the same exact thing. Like, it can't be Mary Beth. So, like, yeah. who, who who do you think would be an interesting choice to be the, the one in control of it all? I, I would say Delilah, because I would take it in a slightly different direction where she would still be a raving bitch but a very conforming bitch 
who wants everyone to be just like her. And so she's coming at them not because she wants to save them and o- open up their minds and 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 stuff, but because she wants to sort of keep them down. So it would be sure. kind of a slightly different take on that. But I like that. Um, I think I would pick Mrs. Olsen. <laughs> Be- Why not? <laughs> because she is just so pissed that she does not get to do her musical, so she decides to turn everyone into aliens. And I don't, I don't know how this would work, but this is what I want to see. <laughs> but if it ends with a musical num- number on the set of Our Town... I'm all about Yes, it can be like, okay, so, uh, uh, Travis, I know you're a Buffy fan, but, like, they did, like, that musical episode where, like, the, uh, the main villain, his really only purpose is to have them come in and start singing, (laughs) and and that could be like her. Like, whenever they get turned, (laughs) they just start busting out into these musical numbers. (laughs) Oh my god, this is a great movie. (laughs) Um, so that's what, uh, yeah, that's what I would pick. What about you, Travis? I think I, I, I don't know the justification for it or anything, but I really like the idea of Stan being the one just like yeah. with sort of, because I feel like out of all of the characters, he has the biggest network and outreach to all of them. Um, Like sure. he, I mean, he has that moment in the locker room with Casey. He is obviously dating Delilah. He is close to Stokely for some for that connection. Like, I feel like he has such an interesting network between all of the characters. And since he is kind of the idea of the all American guy, but who is also stepping away from that and like trying to find his own way. I think that there's just something really interesting in that Avenue to sort of explore. What if he is an alien? <laughs> sure. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and he's like the first one in the original film that we're talking about that uh, shows signs of, being like wanting to be different so yeah that could be exactly. interesting um yeah yeah i could totally be down with that uh and I, does this need to be remade absolutely not will they do it no. probably because they're remaking everything yeah. else but we'll see i'm actually surprised it hasn't come up so far but i think that shows just oh, the fact that this is more of a little bit more of a cult film than some of these other ones yeah. that um like i know he did the summer is already getting a tv show urban legend is being remade although there's weird things with that, but they're, they're not calling it a remake, but it, it sounds like it's going to be a remake. And, um, well, and just kind yeah. of the, the overall continuation of the scream television show right. and then the other scream television show and then scream right. five and five and the craft is being remade. And yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, they all, are. all of these nineties films are coming back to the forefront and it'll just be interesting to see what angle they go with them because they could try this meta angle or they could just oh. do something completely different. Um, you never know with remakes, so I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but that was a great discussion about the faculty there. And, um, it was fun. Are, uh, anything, any like stray thoughts here we didn't get to? Um, also, my doggies are barking I, uh, here. Oh, well, <laughs> I think he might have one. Um, <laughs> I I love this movie. I really had a great time with this one. Um, yeah. Once again, I want to know what was going on with the uh the situation with everybody's hair. I want to know what was going yeah, on with that. Yeah. I think it's the hair it's politics of it all, right? Im- yeah. yeah, it is horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Like um, kind of a fun fact, you know, I, I, the original script was written in 1990 by David Wetcher and Bruce Kimmel, um, which Bruce Kimmel is, I know, openly gay and has done a lot with Broadway, um, producing Broadway cast recordings. Uh, and then they brought Kevin Williamson in and basically held him at gunpoint and said, Go rewrite this entire script and do whatever you want with it. <laughs> wow, uh, I didn't know that. 
so yeah, it was interesting. The script had just been kind of sitting around for several years. Um, and then they decided, let's bring it back up and make it into a teen horror film like everything else. So it was... And apparently, I didn't know this either, that Kevin Williamson was going to direct The Faculty, but he decided oh. to do Teaching Mrs. Tingle instead. So, Oh, and the rest is history. The rest it? is oh. history. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little time capsule. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we went back to this era with disturbing behavior and now The Faculty and... Um, yeah. Because I do very much miss the kind of levity of this time period. And uh, it's something we haven't really seen as much. We talked about last week. We see, we, we've seen it a little bit with like dark comedies with like Happy Death mm-hmm. Day and like um, Tragedy Girls and The Final Girls. Yeah. But those films don't really get as much into the horror side of things. And I, and no, I miss that. They're not, so. There's not really any sus- suspense per se. It's 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 all about the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, when, this was fun. And, what one yeah. little thing that I just, sorry, that I just, yeah, as well. I'm like looking at different faculty websites and stuff, an interesting thing is that there apparently was an additional character in our ensemble that was cut out of everything. Um, it says, uh, several scenes involving an additional character named Venus portrayed by Kidada Jones were shown in TV previews for the film, as well as all the Tommy Hilfiger ads and commercials, but was ultimately cut from the film. But she is still visible in a scene standing next to Usher's character in the science class when they were looking at the new species in the aquarium. So it's interesting ah. that there was, A, another character in our ensemble, B, a female character in our ensemble, and C, a woman of color in our ensemble that was cut that out. They cut out. Yeah. 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 That's, and she's that's Rashida awesome. Jones's sister. Fun fact. The actress. So... I want to see the deleted scenes. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested to, like, I, I wonder, like, what purpose her character kind of served overall. Yeah. yeah. Release the Kidada Jones cut, right? Yes. <laughs> Justice for Kidada. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I would love to see that. Yeah, production histories are always interesting to see what gets cut and what doesn't. And I know... When you're talking about the Weinsteins, which gross, they always yeah. cut these films to shreds, and it's always interesting to think about what would this film have been like if this had not have happened, and yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I will say this for a a Weinstein film at this time, it seems pretty coherent, you know. True. Um, if a lot of stuff was cut, it definitely doesn't feel like it was. Yeah. So I can give them that much because typically like with, you know, uh, like, for example, um, Halloween six, like that movie feels like it was just cut to shreds and you mm-hmm. just you you can you can feel it every cut. Um, but with this, it it, 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 it it the pace is great. It everything makes some kind of sense and in, in its own strange way, you know. Yeah. Um, and so this definitely feels like it wasn't tampered with as much as some of their other films yeah i would agree with that and uh it's uh it's it feels fairly um like naturalistic in the sense that like it doesn't like it feels like this is just a script that one person wrote like it's interesting that this is actually kind of a combination of like this early 90s script with kevin williamson because it doesn't feel like they're like ideas that are working against each other here for the most part so mm, that's no. that's kind of interesting but um yeah but yeah this was fun thanks for yeah. coming on travis it was yes it was, yeah yeah this is you're our first guest on the pod so you, you can, are you can wear, that with, first. wear that with wear that with badge pod. of honor mm-hmm. yeah um 
where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram. So it's uh, my handle is uh, just my name. It's Travis Monroe. So that's the easiest way to find me. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and of course, folks, if you want to follow us, you can find us on um, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We're everywhere, folks. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, Facebook and Twitter, we're at HOH Podcast. And on Instagram, we're at Homos on Haunted Hill, all one word. Um, we've had a lot of good fan interaction so far, thanks to everyone who's reached out. Um, and uh, we hope everyone is holding up okay during these crazy times. Um, mm-hmm. uh and um, any other final thoughts, guys? Oh, this was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we hope everyone had a good time, and hopefully had, people had fun revisiting the faculty. And um, I hope it was uh, guaranteed to jack you up, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye, bye everybody.